Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Shows Apart, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means, and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I'm Gage Jordan, assistant pastor of Youth and Families at First Presbyterian Dyersburg in Dyersburg, Tennessee. Gage, it's good to be back uh, after a prolonged hiatus because, uh, believe it or not, um, podcasting is not our full-time job. I know people assume <laughs> that we have a staff of people. Uh, that it's just a hive of activity at the Assurance of Pardon World Headquarters. But yes. we are, as we say at the beginning and remind everybody, we are both pastors in local churches. And so with with uh, a wife, with wives and kids and uh, life happens. And so uh, thank you to our listeners for their patience. And while we get out a new episode, speaking of new episodes, uh, this episode and all of our episodes are sponsored by uh, Logos Bible Software. Great software for studying the Bible. Uh, if you are, we're going to talk about studying the Bible today. Um, great, great software to make the most of your time in God's Word. Um, one of my favorite things that they do is their free book of the month. They every month, if you are in their system and you have an account with them, you're going to get an email of a free book. And then usually there's always some links of, and this book is 99 cents. And this book is $1.99. Mm-hmm. Lots of really, really great deals all the time. Uh, if you're interested in checking out Logos Bible Software, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash Logos. Speaking of Bible study, uh, also we want to congratulate the winner of our um, our uh, giveaway of the Care of Souls. That winner is uh, that winner is uh, Dave Turris. Uh, so congratulations to him. We will be getting his book out, Care of Souls, by Harold Sinkbile. We hope he enjoys that. And we've got some more Care of Souls related resources that we'll be talking about uh, on a coming episode. So, Gage, uh, what, what are we talking about today? Uh, so today, um, and really, this is one of maybe maybe several episodes that we'll, we'll have. You know, we we may bring the Theocast guys back on for this fun conversation. I know in the future we'd love to to talk with. We got a friend that's coming that just put a book out about this these topics. Um, really, I guess the the easiest way to summarize this is uh, what role does personal devotion, Bible study. Um, spiritual disciplines sometimes what these are called what like what role does does this have in the life of the church you know we, we've talked all the time about how um we exist in a world in evangelicalism where there there is a overemphasis of the individual walk with jesus right um and and that almost feels like it it was on steroids in the pandemic because everybody for a, a season had to experience church virtually, right? We were, we were in our houses, we were quarantined, we were made to be at home for an extended period of time this spring. And 
you know, our church and every other church in, in America um, tried to become experts in live streaming. And so we tried to figure out what, what church online looked like. And, and so even, even this, this already seasoned pattern of individualized Christianity kind of was just fed more and more energy in this context to where even now, as you talk to pastors, you know, Scott, when we go to Presbytery, I'm sure we'll have this conversation at GA. If you talk to Southern Baptist guys at the convention, if you have lunch with the pastor in town, regardless of his denomination, the conversation always kind of at some point structures to trying to get people that were gone to come back. Right. And, and I think one of the, one of the issues that, that pastors are running into with this, is this overemphasis of Christianity separate from the covenant community, right? That I can, I'm doing my own thing and it, and it manifests itself in different ways, right? There was the, the Jesus calling um, phenomenon that, that's still now a big, a big deal, right? Now there's Jesus calling and, and now it's spun off into it, even its own different flavors and, and various It's Jesus calling for men, Jesus calling for women, Jesus calling for your dog, whatever, you know. Um, and so um, you also see it in um, Bible studies, right? I have conversations with uh, congregational members all the time about this, right? Can I start a Bible study? What are your thoughts about having a Bible study? I want to be involved in a Bible study. And I think that's great. But what ends up happening is they don't have an, any energy, time, or effort to give to their local body because they've overcommitted themselves to seven different Bible studies. Or they're in Bible studies with people that don't share their theological perspective, don't have their, you know, we, we as we kind of have mentioned, we did a whole season of this. We have a different hermeneutic, a different way and a lens by which we read the scriptures than non-reformed people, right? And so when you enter into a Bible study, we're going to view the scriptures differently, um, you know, but people will do that or prayer life or whatever the case may be. All those things that um, people have been taught are aspects of their Christian walk. Um, what role do they play? And i tell you where this came from, just to kind of set up for you. I was on vacation and um, one of the things I love about vacation is I can read and not have to be prepping anything. I can read just for fun. And one of the things, because I'm a, a nerd and a, a theology nerd, one of the things I'm reading is uh, the, the Banner of Truth copy of the Westminster Confession of Faith, because it includes historical documents, the directory of worship, things like that. So you get the kind of context to what the conversation was like leading up to this document that we as Presbyterians say is our doctrinal statement, right? And one of the things that I read in the directory of worship is um, the, the divines were dealing with this um, experience where they would have a corporate worship service and people would come into the church and they would carry their book of common prayer with them into the church and start their own personal devotions while the worship service is happening. So imagine you walk into church on Sunday, Scott, and you stand up to welcome people like you always do. And you're leading them through the liturgy and, you know, built your intern, Billy Eddie uh, and Cassie and, and their kiddos come in and they start 
uh, opening New Morning Mercies by Paul David Tripp, and they're having family devotional there in the pew while you're having, you're like, you're going, uh, guy, what, really? Like right now? Right. Yeah. That's, that was what they were experiencing, right? And so there was this push to kind of go, hey, guys, that has its place, but this is the corporate gathering. And that kind of got my, my wheel spinning to, okay, as we think about today, um, the life of the church, the doctrine of the church, ecclesiology, you know, what's the church for? How should the church function? As, we, as I tell people on a regular basis, um, your Christianity is personal, but it's not private, right? This is meant to be a corporate um, thing. What role, though, so we don't pendulum swing away from this, what role do these things like personal Bible reading, prayer, memorization, all those things play um, into the life of a Christian, into the life of the church? Yeah, I, I think that is the, that, that is the question is, is um, are we saying – uh, because we want to avoid these two ditches. One ditch is that I find my assurance. I find my, my, I know that I'm saved because I get up every morning and I Instagram a picture of my coffee mug and my highlighter and my Bible. Um, I know I'm saved because of how rigorous my piety is and right. looking to um, um, this discipline and being and letting that my own intensity at these things, letting that be the means by which I, I find my hope and my trust. Right. That's one ditch. And then the mm-hmm. other ditch, and we would say, hey, don't get in that ditch. But the other, the other worry is that in swerving so far, you would say, uh, all, but because I'm not saved by it, because it's not my, because I'm not saved by personal Bible reading or, or, or Instagramming uh, um, inspirational quotes, because I'm not saved by it, therefore it has no value. It's, it's meaningless. I'll run into to Christians who will say, uh, well, baptism doesn't save, so there's no point in doing it. <laughs> the Lord's Supper doesn't save me, so there's no point in doing it. Or you'll even mm-hmm. hear somebody say, well, we don't even need to argue about that. That's not a salvation issue. Um, uh, and therefore, any, in other words, in other words, any, any time spent talking about it is just wasted airtime. Um, mm-hmm. what, what a foolish false dichotomy to, to, to say because something is not, because this thing isn't everything, it's therefore nothing. Right, which which is an absurd logical fallacy, uh, and we want to. And so, after we recorded the episode about spiritual disciplines, which was with our friends from the Theocast, which which oh, and we appreciate them a great deal, which was something of an expose on uh, the origins of that, um, but and and exposing and highlighting some of the wrong ways that we can think about those things. I think, but what we've had questions from people, and they've had questions from people, uh, is: Are you saying I shouldn't read my Bible? Right. <laughs> are, are you? I, I've ha- I have this habit every morning of getting up and reading my Bible. Uh, are you saying we mm-hmm. shouldn't do that? And I, and my response would be: Of course not. What right. I'm saying is: Is how should you feel when you fail? Mm-hmm. How should you feel when 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 life happens and it and and that doesn't happen. Uh, are you filled with despair that I have now 
uh, uh, wickedly sinned and, and lost. But, you know, our, our friend uh, Daniel Emery Price of 1517 told a story uh, at the conference in Bentonville when he said, I had to delete the I had to delete the Bible app off of my phone because I opened it up one day and it said, congratulations, you've opened the Bible app and read the Bible every day for the last thousand days. And he was like, I was filled with self-righteousness. Right. Like, I don't need that. I don't, I don't need this app patting me on the back and telling me that I'm a super Christian. I don't need that. These, so like I purposefully like, Hey, didn't open the Bible app one day because I don't, I don't, I don't need that. And so those, I think this, this is what we're trying to highlight is, Mm -hmm. is that this is reading my Bible, reading the catechism, reading the confession, reflecting on that, doing family worship with my family, um, uh, uh, bringing up a, a spiritual topic around the dinner table with my kids and thinking through that about what the Bible has to say about it. Am I, do I, every time I do that, do I toggle from the unsaved category into the saved category? <laughs> yeah. Right? Is, it, right. is it that binary? Uh, do I do it for the, of course not. Right. Is it Therefore, is it useless? Of course not. And so right. we just want to, we, what we wanted to do is we want to come back and say, Hey, here's what we're not saying. Right. It is everything we, we are saying disciplines like Bible reading and even disciplines like tithing, even disciplines like uh, baptism can in our sin set up a slippery slope in our heart that causes right. us to fix our affections on the performance of that thing rather than the object of our, uh, of our faith, which is Christ and him crucified. And so we just want to say in our devotional, I want to say in our devotions, in our quiet time, in our Bible reading, we want to always be uh, fixing our affections on and recognizing the slippery slope, to use Tim Keller's language, the slippery slope in our own heart mm-hmm. that makes me prone to, to to trust in the wrong things. Yeah, so justification is key here, right? Um, what am what am I justifying myself by? Take for example Paul's argument in Ro- at the end of Romans nine, leading into Romans ten, talking about his brothers in the in the flesh, the Jews. He uses a really interesting phrase. He says they have a zeal for God, but without knowledge, right? And I think that's categorically true of a lot of evangelicalism, right? You'll hear the phrase, man, that person's on fire for Jesus. Uh, well, that, that brother loves the Lord, right? But they have no knowledge, as in not like they can recite the wonderful works of God by bobbing through memory. That's not what I mean when I say knowledge. What I do say, though, is they have no context to the God that they're actually on fire or love. They're just really passionate about it, right? Um, And so you then apply that to worship. One of the books I'm reading through is a great, and we'll put it in the show notes, a beautiful 87-page book by Legan Duncan called Does God Care How We Worship? just came out so great. One of the things he talks about in explaining the regulative principle, and we've defined that 
before is like how, how we as reformed people view worship. One of the things he says is that there's a lot of pushback in evangelicalism. Now, when you think about, does God have um, requirements of worship and the, the pushback comes down to um, this belief of, well, God really doesn't tell me how I should worship. So I'm free. He goes, and it, it's this overemphasis of the individual in, in worship as opposed to the covenant community. And I think this aspect of justification falls into it, right? Am I, how am I trying to make myself right before God? Am I trying to make myself right before God by the things I do? Well, in, in that subcategory by do is I, that I, I am more spiritual because I wake up at 5 a.m. to do my quiet time. And I, you know, because I told you, right? Like it's, it's almost like the, the CrossFit of Bible study, right? Right. Um, how do you know someone is a, is a vegan CrossFitter? They tell you, right? So um, you have that sort of justification by doing in Bible study, prayer life, silence and solitude, whatever, whatever it is, spiritual discipline, right? And it becomes this thing to where your uh, position in Christ is measured by the merit of what you're doing. And that was the context we grew up in, right? That's right. the context I grew up in. That's the experience you had in evangelicalism from the earliest time of my, in my walk in youth group or whatever i was constantly pressured you need to be having a quiet time you need to be having a quiet time and i would be like sweet what does that mean how do i even do that how does that matter and as i grew in my faith and as i became more convinced of reformed theology what i actually found and continue to find is historically and this isn't just true for the PCA or whatever. This is like any reformed person historically. The, the reformers and the Puritans and, and the church fathers before them, they all saw this uh, necessity of having a discipline in your life. One, if you're a dad, you need to be, you need to be leading your, your children in, in the faith. That's why they developed catechisms, right? Is so that parents could teach and pastors could teach people the faith, right? And, and it has a, a gamut of, of different options, whether it's the Anglicans, whether it's the Belgic, whether it's the Heidelberg, whether it's uh, the Westminster, the idea behind the shorter was intended for kids, right? Now, granted, I've read the larger. I'll take the shorter just because it's easier to memorize and easier to, to read. Let's be honest. Right. But it was intended for kids. Right. Um, and, and it, so you see the, and even the book of common prayer in and of itself, it was given to the church post reformation so that they would have a rhythm to be able to kind of at home. Here's how you pray. Here's how you read your, here's how to, kind of systematically read through the scriptures. Here's how you should think about um, your faith and your, your, your walk with Christ. It was given to you because they wanted you to be strengthened in your faith, but it wasn't given to you as a means of justification. So I think historically, as we think about what it means 
to be the church. And even in our context, as we on a regular basis explain why we believed uh, the Reformed faith is the most biblical. Um, historically, the Reformers have always had patterns of personal devotion. So we don't want to pendulum swing so far as to say, you shouldn't read your Bible, you shouldn't pray, you shouldn't do these things just because people do it poorly, right? That's the same argument for why you shouldn't have the uh, communion every week because some people could see it as become routine. Just because someone does it poorly doesn't make the thing bad. You, you know what I mean? And right. I think that's where I, where I want to apply this to how we think about our faith and how we think about our walk as, as Christians. Yeah, there's a, there's a, a default way that con- big uh, contemporary evangelicalism talks about the disciplines, talks about spiritual disciplines, and and we're pushing back and saying, no, not that, yes. not that way of talking about it, not that way of understanding it, not that way of uh, 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 it, they've they have valued it wrongly. They've 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 put it in the wrong categories, mm-hmm. um, and so in pushing back against that, we're just we're not saying no spiritual disciplines. We're we're saying we're saying. There's spiritual a reform- disciplines in this context. In this context, yeah, there's a there's a reformed understanding of those that is historic and helpful, uh, and not soul crushing, mm-hmm. um, and that and that has a category for when I fail at it. Yeah, yeah. The divines even go as oh, by, far. By the way, when when you say yeah. the divines, you mean the authors of the Westminster Confession of Faith. So we yeah, we, so we, we need yes. to avoid using some some. Uh, inside baseball terms. The, the, yeah. The- so, so long, long ago, you know, technically Scott, when you and I got an ordained, we were officially given the title of Reverend, right? We normally don't, don't get called Reverend. Um, I, I do. In- I, I, around my house. That's how my children are called, told to address me. <laughs> that's true. But, um, Reverend, you know, Father. normally, yeah, normally, normally that, that doesn't happen. Right. But that's a, that's a old, old school honorary title, right? Nor normally now, people get called brother, 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 brother Scott or brother or pastor Scott or, or what, whatever. Right. Um, years ago in the 1600s, when the confession was written, um, a divine was just a pastor, right? It was just a, a theologian, a person that had gotten a master of divinity, right. Or a doctorate of divinity. So they were then a divine. So when, we, when you hear us talk about the divines, we're talking about the guys that wrote the Westminster Confession of Faith, the Shorter Catechism, the Larger Catechism, the Directory of Worship, those things like that. So one of the things they, the reason they gave us a Directory of Worship um, is because um, being in England and being in Scotland, they were heavily influenced and, and under the direction of the Church of England, right? And one of the things they found, to your point, Scott, one of the things they found was um, that people would start to kind of beat themselves up if they didn't do all of the daily office, which is the Book of Common Prayers uh, kind of activities that they give you right now it's an app form you can download the daily office as an app but or it's a website you can go to but 
if they didn't do the morning prayer, the midday prayer, and the evening evening prayers, um, and they didn't do the dinner time stuff, um, that you were somehow less Christian, that God was somehow mad at you because you didn't do all the things. And they essentially, when they were writing, said, man, you've taken something that was intended to be good, <laughs> and now you've made it legal, le- legalism, right? Um, so in, a, in an effort to try to get away from that, we're going to rethink the directory of worship. And, and by rethink the directory of worship, I love them to death. They basically just rewrote the Book of Common Prayer. Like it's not, not like it's that drastically different. It, um, it's just, you know, they were trying to help people just like we are today not become legalistic with it. And I think that's what we've done with the spiritual disciplines, right? We've, we've taken something that in and of itself is a good thing. The psalmist talks about on your precepts, right? Lord, on your law, I meditate day and night. Um, it's, it's a light into, it's, it's a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. It's like honey to my lips. Like this isn't a guy who isn't reading his, his Bible. Now, granted in, in his context, he doesn't have a Bible, right? The printing press doesn't come out until uh, the 1500s, but he has access to the law in the corporate gathering and he's hearing it read to him and he's thinking about it. I mean, God even tells them to, to put, um, put it on their foreheads and on their walls and teach it to their children. Right? Like there obviously was this discipline of, of getting the scriptures into your life. But you know what the psalmist never says, Lord, I repent because I, I didn't do my quiet time this morning or I, I missed missed the midday prayer and the evening prayer in the daily office app or Lord, I didn't read my Jesus calling, which you shouldn't read your Jesus calling just for the record. But, no, you, shouldn't. Um, you know, that's what you didn't say. And I think that's that's where I want to want to leave us. I want to want to as we wrap up, give you just a couple of things that I think are helpful if you're like, OK, Gage, you talked about disciplines. You talked about what not to do. You talked about kind of the things you could do. Where do I start? Um, start with a catechism. the The New City Catechism is a is a great way to start. It's a it's a hybrid of the Heidelberg and the Westminster. It's in modern English. You can download it on a, on an app. The, I mentioned the Daily Office to you. It, that's a great way to get into a rhythm of praying and reading the scriptures. Um, if you struggle with prayer, hey, guess what? You can just read the prayer that's there um, and, and, and kind of get into a rhythm of confessing your sins to the Lord and, and praying together. Um, there's a great app that we'll throw a link in to the show notes on called uh, CC and RC. And it's got all the, it's got creeds and it's got confessions, the Belgic, the Canons of Dort, the Heidelberg, the Westminster, the Nicene, the Athanasius, all those things. Um, use those things for your benefit, because historically, that's what Reformed people have done. They've learned their theology through this method of question and answer, both personally and in family devo to their kids. That's how they taught, taught the, them the faith. That's how historically we've always done that. They've affirmed their faith through creeds. Um, so use those as a, as a method. Um, also, a, a, a really helpful book by Kevin D. Young from about yeah. gosh ten years ago called "The Good News We Almost Forgot," which is a um, a a a 
chapter by chapter uh, study of the Heidelberg Catechism. Super, super helpful and can be read, is really easy to be read devotionally, um, is another one we would recommend. And l- last thing I give you, you ready for this, Scott? You should download the B- Logos Bible software. You oh, should, where would they do you that? Should, you could do that by going to our website at assuranceofpardon.com slash Logos. And uh, there you can get Logos Bible software in your life. Um, and and that they have daily reading pl- plans right there in in the, the software that can help you both in prayer, both in Bible reading, both in other, other disciplines. Um, or you could just download the app. The app is free. Um, and, and it has a, a plethora of resources, including the, the free books of the month that you can get uh, digitally there. Um, so there are tons of resources. We'll throw all those in the show notes for you. We hope this has been helpful. We hope this has um, been um, freeing to you because uh, we want to help help give you categories as reform people that we're not reinventing the wheel here, here, right. but also we're not um, trying to teach justification by spiritual discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in all that, uh, as we close, um, another great resource that I would give to you, we are a part of the Society of Reform Podcasters. Um, and, and it is, is a, a, plethora of great podcasts that you can listen to and and benefit from uh you can check those guys out at reformpodcasts.com and you can see the whole list you can download the rss feed to society of reform podcasters wherever you listen to podcast one um key area you you could check out is the reformed brotherhood i think is going through the shorter catechism right now um so so as you're trying to think through devotionally if you need some guys to give you some thoughts on that download that podcast and use that devotionally um so those are great guys we're thankful for that partnership scott anything else i think that is it uh um keep the uh um keep keep the emails and the feedback coming we enjoy hearing from folks around the country and around the world who are listening. Uh, that's always an encouragement to us to know that we are not talking into an, a vacuum, an echo chamber, but that there are those listening. So if you if you have benefited from um, Assurance of Pardon, let, let us know. That that goes a long way to just help, uh, helping us spur us on to continue uh, this labor. Um, we, love, we love hearing from you and hearing in, what in particular has been helpful. So please reach out to us. Contact at assuranceofpardon.com. And be sure and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Until next time, this is Assurance of Pardon. God bless.